0: can't go in half on anything. If you're going to make a decision, do it, do it properly, invest in it properly, and stand by it. If it doesn't work, at least you tried everything, right? But you can't go in halfway.
1: From Positive Momentum, this is Meet the CEO, a show that takes you behind the scenes of the working lives of people who've reached what some might call the pinnacle of the career ladder. I'm Matt Crabtree, the founder of Positive Momentum, and on today's show we meet Mark Shashua, CEO of Hive Group PLC, a next-generation global events business who bring people together in key industries through their unmissable events, powerful online experiences, and groundbreaking technology solutions. Hive's market-leading portfolio of global brands includes ShopTalk, Spring Fair, Bet, Mining in Derba, and the recently acquired FinTech Meetup. Now Mark's family are legends of the events industry, and Mark himself was one of the founding members of Hive Group PLC, then called ITE Group back in 1991, where he was a senior director and board member for eight years. He was also previously the CEO of I2I Events Group, the event arm of Essential PLC. Now, as you might imagine, it's been a hell of a couple of years for an events firm, but I think you're going to be pretty surprised by Mark's reaction to everything his firm has been through recently, and also in his confidence for the road ahead. I started out as we always do on Meet the CEO by asking Mark why he became a CEO. <laughs>
0: um, it's a really interesting question because I don't think you know I don't think anybody just sort of sets out to become a CEO. But I think if I look back on my journey, I think, uh, uh, so my career, I think it all, I think all my life I've enjoyed leading, whether it's sports teams at schools. I think then then as you get into work, you learn your various trades from different leaders and you sort of learn to, you know, what I enjoyed doing as I was sort of, as my career went on. It was like, you know, literally leading teams, um, disruption, leading change. And I think that ultimately leads you to becoming a CEO because you know you got strength of your own convictions and then that leads you on a career path. So I mean I, I think that's a simple way as I can explain it. I, I certainly didn't set out one, you know, when I was a kid to say I have to be a CEO or I want to be a CEO. I didn't even think I knew what it meant. So so I think it's just the evolution of a career that gets you to a point where where you feel that you're ready. Um, and you are able to lead in an effective way, that you it's just a natural progression to become a, a chief executive.
1: Yeah, I think everybody that we've interviewed, we, you know, we ask everyone this question. And everybody has a similar story, which is, you know, I didn't sort of leave school thinking, oh, yes, I'll become a CEO. It just just kind of evolved in that way. It could be an odd careers advice conversation, wouldn't it, where the careers advisor said, oh, yes, I think you could be a CEO in the future. I think it's uh, not very normal.
0: I agree. I agree. I
1: agree. (laughs) So, Mark, in your, um, in your day-to-day, one of the things that we like to do on this podcast is sort of get behind the curtain a little bit. What do you protect in the way that you operate day-to-day? Do you have a, a part of the day or a part of the week that you preserve that's a, a discipline in terms of how you operate as a CEO? Uh,
0: work-wise, uh, yes. I, 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 I am a 100% a morning person. I find that I am at my most creative in the morning. I like to read, and any of the documents that I have to read, um, anything, that's my, that for me is sacrosanct. I have a good hour, hour and a half in the morning when I get to work, I get in early before everybody else does, but that's my style. And it's just absolutely quiet. And I have just, a you know, for me, that's absolute sacrosanct is that morning um, uh, time for work. Quid pro quo, uh, you know, dinner is pretty sacrosanct for me in terms of being with my partner, Nadia. And then my final sacrosanct is I have two sons, which, you know, play football for a living. And it is absolutely sacrosanct that I will not miss a match because it's now luckily televised every time. So, so those are pretty much my set, so three um, sacrosanct uh, times. For my work and yeah. play and
1: my, my life. Yeah, as you say, I've I've observed that. I, I know on occasions we've worked together, I'm also I also have this habit of turning up early mornings to places. And I have I've remembered walking around the corner and seeing you at your desk, having clear moments with nobody yeah. around, because you're a yeah. you're an open plan um, CEO. Exactly. And thinking and thinking, yeah, I might just leave him, go make a cup of tea and <laughs> just leave because I'm gonna be a massive pain <laughs> as I come around yeah. the corner. Yeah.
0: But I have to say, I really enjoy it. It's just—it's nice when it's super quiet, and and it can give you time to reflect and think and and plan. You know. Um, So yeah, that's that's how I am.
1: Very good, very good, and very nice to hear the family stuff with your uh, your footballing. It's uh, it's a good job that it's on TV, right? Because your boys are Uh, uh, even playing in other countries now, right? So it's uh, it's not not only a UK activity. All right, let's let's um, let's talk about challenging events. Our listeners will know that our third question is always about what's the most challenging event or situation you've encountered and what have you learned from it? Now, um, as our listeners already know, and some will know you and Hive anyway, um, you run an exhibitions, a live events business, which um, in terms of effective businesses during the pandemic, must be up there with the <laughs> most materially affected businesses. And the times I've thought about you over the last two or three years and tried to send you a sensitive text, Um I, I just can't begin to imagine how challenging it's been. I'm guessing it's the most challenging situation. Maybe there are others though, because you've, uh, you've also done business in some pretty extraordinary places around the world, right?
0: Yeah, no, first of all, thank you for the question. I'm sure this is always the question that everybody loves to hear. Um, or answers to, funny enough, it, well, not funny, ironically enough, you know, look, COVID, there's no question, it was, um, it, it, it was incredibly challenging, as then was the, 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 when Russia invaded Ukraine, you know, it's, it's, but actually, it isn't the most challenging thing I've faced. I, um, I will probably go back nearly 15 years ago, you know, um, to challenges that I faced in the business that we started, and actually, that's helped me enormously navigate through COVID. So, yes, it was challenging, but actually, we, I knew what to do. You know, it was, um, so, so about 15 years ago, Hive uh, was originally, legacy company was called ITE. My family and I, as you know, my family and I started it. That was early 90s. We were very lucky. It was right place, right time, hugely successful. And we exited it in the late 90s by going public. So that was all wonderful. But then we started new, another business, and that business was called ExoMedia, which we started, and it grew very fast in three or four years, doing unbelievably well, and through things that happened out of our control. you know, One was a terrible accident, and then that led into um, the financial crisis of 2008. And then effectively taking that company and putting parts of it into receivership and, and – and, you know, that was really hard. You know, that was for me, incredibly challenging. You know, one, I was much younger, two, I had, I had experienced lots of different challenges, but it was all challenges based on success. This was the first time that I'd ever really, um, you know, ran, it was, it was not successful. It was, you know, you want to, it was a failure, right? We, we had to put the company into administration, um, even though it was very, parts of it were still very successful. So that was unbelievably difficult. And that has effectively, that moment, those years, has absolutely defined all of my career since. You know, one, you know, never taking, I mean, I'll give a few lessons, but I'm sure that's going to be the next question, is what lessons did I learn from that? Is, is you know, first, there's enormous amounts of humility, right? Never taking anything for granted. You know, my first, like I said, the first 10 years of my career was so, everything we touched worked. And that doesn't really teach you anything, right? It, it's, it's, that um, it was circumstanced, you know, then, then to learn the opposite w- w- gives you enormous amounts of, A, never taking anything for granted. Two, there is an enormously fine line between success and failure, you know. Three, um, I would say that when we started Expo Media, we started it for all the wrong reasons. You know, we had, a, we had sellers regret when we sold legacy IT and we started it because we were upset that we sold it, which was ridiculous. That's not why you should start a business. So that, that, that was absolutely defining for me, we, was doing something for the right reasons as opposed to the wrong reasons. Um, I also learned that you have to have quality products. We didn't, we made some acquisitions at the time um, which were looked terrific on paper because we paid much lower multiples and they were very good deals, but there's always, you know, you, you get what you pay for. So that defined my entire future career saying is I will only buy quality, only buy market leading. It is worth paying more because these are great assets that can only get continue to grow. And I suppose the final thing I learned from that is, you know, you, I suppose it's the same line as being, you know, do, Doing things for the right reasons, that defines, that means do things that you genuinely enjoy doing, and therefore you can be 100% committed to it. Um, So, those are all the lessons. I mean, lots of lessons, but all of that then came into all those learnings, as well as having insurance. I learned a lot about insurance 15 years ago. But um, all those lessons that when COVID hit, actually, we were we were in a remarkably strong position to navigate it. And we did, right? You, so what did I learn? You know, how did we handle COVID was, the first thing is every rule of crisis is it always gets worse before it gets better. You can't, human nature is such that you always are optimistic and you can't be, right? Sorry, well, you can be optimistic, but you can't, you can't just um, plan without being realistic. Right? Every crisis, it gets worse before it gets better. That's one. Two, whatever good your products are, you need cash to see it through. Um, three, you've got to be decisive. You have to be decisive and you have to do it quickly. And therefore, you can, so that you're not dying a death of a thousand cuts. And do it quickly, then you put yourself in an incredibly strong position to be able to navigate it and then grow and thrive through it, which is effectively. So, you know, how we dealt with it. So, so yes, I, I thank you for all your messages, but the reality is we were actually very calm when COVID hit. We knew, we knew how to navigate through it because of what happened 15 years ago. Yeah. That's long-winded yeah, I mean, answer to your question, but I mean, that that that, 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 that's how we handled it.
1: It's a fantastic answer and it's full of, you know, practical advice because who the hell knows what's around the corner, right? And you've built an infrastructure and a team around you that have got the most remarkable... Uh, there's a, a speaker, an ex-Olympian or an Olympian called Sir Ben Hunt-Davis who calls it bounce-back-ability. <laughs> and you've built a team. You, you've met, you've seen him speak. He. Um, you, you've built a team that have got this bounce-back-ability. And you're absolutely right that we, you know, we, know we stayed in touch with some of your team throughout the pandemic. Uh, And their ability to just calmly react was remarkable, even though you need to do some pretty extraordinary things. It was really remarkable. The other thing I think is really notable, and you you likely touch on it, but I know for you is such a big part of your operating system is this quality products thing. If I've heard you say once in the last 10 years that people will fly to quality, I think I've heard you say it a thousand times. And the polish in your business it's about as good as the polish on that beautiful table I can see that our listeners uh-huh. can't see but uh-huh. your your attention to detail as a business that kind of almost white glove seven star experience uh-huh. for people that uh-huh. come to your events it's really striking and it and it's insulated you hasn't it to some extent
0: well no no thank you for for, for, for saying that and, and it, but that's exactly our philosophy you know and it is born from 15 years ago so, so you know we as I keep telling everybody here, and I've said it for 10 years or whatever, 12 years, is, um, it is that there is a constant rush to quality, right? And as time goes, goes on, that will only continue to get more important, right? Now we're all talking about the next crisis, right, which is potentially the recession. How deep or how long it will last, but reality is we're going into something, right? So therefore, it's the, it, it is so vital to be able to not only operate the main event of its kind in its sector and geography, but also that we're constantly um, investing in those events to make them better every single year. And you know, it's a line I use all the time, you know, you're only as good as your last event, it doesn't matter how great it is. And I learned all that because of what happened 15 years ago when we, when we didn't operate the best events. My God, is it hard. To, to work in an environment of, of when things are challenging, when you don't operate the best in class. And, and it's a futile um, endeavor. So that's why the past 10 years, 12 years, or however long it's been, we have only focused on the main event, only focused and constantly investing, never taking it for granted and constantly doing, hopefully evolving the product for what's right for our customers.
1: So much um, for so many businesses yeah. to learn from, from that stuff, Mark. Um, thank you so much. I've got a whole bunch of other questions. I think I think All if right. we are not careful, this podcast will be three hours. So um, let me not come not to the next it. question, <laughs> which is, um, who's most influenced the way you lead? You've worked with lots of different leaders. You've worked with closely with family. You've worked yeah. with external investors. You've worked with other listed uh, entities that we know well. Who's most influenced the way that you operate?
0: Um, uh, well, there's no question that my earlier days, you know, I certainly learned a lot from my family, from my father and actually from my uncles, you know, my, my father was the, more the visionary leader, big character, entering into new markets, completely unafraid. My uncle was much more the calm finance man, very rational. Um, my father was much more volatile, um, both good and bad. So, you know, I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot on, I learned a lot what to do and what not to do. Right? So you learn a lot. I learned a lot from my, my uh, from Duncan. Duncan, who obviously you know incredibly well, but Duncan Painter, I, I, who I credit for taking a, a chance on me at the time because I was a, very much an entrepreneur, family-style business brought into a more corporate environment, even though I had private equity background before that. But um, I learned a lot from him. And But I suppose the common denominator of what I learned from all of these people was was um, good, bad, doesn't matter. You know, you take the good from everybody. That's what you hope. But the main thing I learned from all of them, all of them, barring, in particular my father and Duncan, was you have to be committed, right? So you make a decision, you have to commit to that decision. I learned a lot from both of them in that, and I hugely admired them for that. You know, my dad used to say all the time, you know, you can't be half pregnant, which I, I it's just just so obvious a line but it's true right you can't go in half on anything if you're going to make a decision do it do it properly invest in it properly and stand by it if it doesn't work at least you tried everything right but you can't go in halfway and and to be fair Duncan was terrific at that as well I learned a lot from him that way
1: well you are definitely um living your I final- one final thing who else did I learn from
0: um I I, I I it's more of a tv show you've got to love jed bartlett from west wing e- every time i need a bit of inspiration about leadership it's it's, it's you know I, I, uh, our our chief of staff here joe robert she always laughs she's like every time i'm watching west wing again that, that, that's a good sign for the company
1: Oh, my God. I mean, The West Wing, it probably doesn't... It depends quite what age you are, because it's it's yeah. actually now a little little bit dated, but I remember 142 episodes of The West Wing, I think, uh, something like that. And I remember watching the last episode. We were on holiday in Spain, and I loved it so much. You know, I nearly shed a tear yeah. for the last oh, yeah. episode. But I also agree, you do have a bit of the Jed about you, because it's always, okay, what's next? So what should we do now? What should we do Keep Keep moving forward. That commitment, you know, to just keep moving forward. Ah, oh, podcast that mentions Jed Bartlett has got to be uh, <laughs> top class. Thanks for that, Mark. Um, so uh, let's talk about executive teams. Since we've invoked a yeah. uh, fictional US president, let's talk about uh, executive teams. What's your secret, if you've found one, to building a really effective executive team? First and
0: foremost, alignment. And I have to say, it's taken me a very long time to learn this lesson. Um, you have to have a group of people that are aligned with the direction that you're going in. Now, you don't always have to agree, because otherwise, what's the point? You've just got you know, w- robots. But, if you, if you, but that's my absolute number one, I wouldn't call it a secret, but it's just... So you need alignment. You want a group of people that have little egos, small egos, which also sort of fits in with the alignment piece. And that ultimately are empathetic. You know, we, we are a people, it's such a cliche saying we're a people business, but we really are, we don't sell any physical products. We don't, you know, we're not manufacturers. Um, and, and therefore the, the, the people, yes, we've got great brands and, and customer base, but ultimately it's the people that lead it, right? So, so um, I would say um, alignment first and foremost, a group of people with little ego um, and empathetic, not just for each other, but for the business itself and our customers.
1: It's interesting, Mark, because the alignment um, message is very consistent with people that we uh, get lucky enough to interview for this podcast. Small egos and empathy, empathy, I, I've, we've heard a couple of times. Small egos, I've not heard before. <laughs> and you know, I guess almost by your very nature to get to an executive position ego might have been a factor in getting you to that place so how do you moderate that mark because you you know you got people leading big complex teams across geographies across industry sectors they they represent your organization with some industries you know they have to stand on stage and speak small egos might be a, a slightly surprising message for some of our listeners help us a bit more with that one.
0: Well, because you want to have people that are going to put the, the company before themselves. You know, so you can have an ego in terms of confidence, quite right. You should be confident. You should be proud of what you've done and what you aspire to achieve. But you don't want egos where they're putting themselves above the business. They're putting themselves above what we believe in as a company. Um, I think egos are incredibly dangerous. I think people get completely carried. That's why, actually, to be fair, when you ask, like, why CEO? I don't, I, I don't really... I always get very nervous when somebody talks about, oh, chief executive, this, that, the other. It's just ridiculous. It's all, you know, it goes back to my whole point about never taking anything for granted, humility, all these things. So actually, I'm extremely um, careful if I see someone that's far too arrogant. Nothing wrong with being confident. But when you're arrogant and you're putting yourself above the organization, you want nothing to do with these people. Sorry, I'm pretty blunt about it.
1: No, well, I'm I'm really happy that you've given it that focus because we've seen that. We've seen that, haven't we? We've seen that with people before that they just think of themselves more than the organisation. And if you're trying to build a philosophy and a culture, as you always do in your organisations, they just get in the way because it's more about them than it is about the organisation. So thank you for the the clarity because I think it's so important. Um, last couple of questions. I know you're short on time. So uh, last couple of questions. The, the penultimate one is about change. You know, you've mentioned already some challenging economic headwinds, but yeah. what else or to what extent is that a big change on the horizon of Hive?
0: Well, I, look, change, I think the reality is, and we always say, everybody seems to say this, but I don't know if they really believe it, is that ch- change is, it is absolute constant. Right. I mean, we are living in the great, the fastest period of change ever. And it's only going to get exponentially faster. I mean, it's just reality. Right. The advent of every single form of technology is just changing our lives so fast. So people just have to be, you know, I think the biggest change is twofold. The first is there it is change is just day to day now. You shouldn't even be talking change anymore. It's just be constant as part of your, your, your DNA that you're going to constantly evolve. The moment that you're tired or you're scared of change, then I would say be careful because you haven't got a choice anymore, right? So that's one. The second bit about change is more how our roles are. So again, going back to chief executives and all these sort of grandiose titles, the reality is that it used to be only about making money. You know, everything goes in cycles, right? You probably went 100 years ago or 80 years ago, 50 years ago. It goes about society and about your... your your, your village or your, you know, how can you help your culture, your people as you, people moved around the world, you know, then it became about money, right? It was, you know, Wall Street, greed is good. Everything became about money. And that was the chief executive, right? Now it's, it is changing a lot. You know, th- it's all about the change is not only coming from um, technology, but it's also coming from society. So our roles are evolving ourselves. You know, so COVID happened, but then what about the mental health issues on your people? Uh, Russia, Ukraine happened. So what is our moral obligation, as well as our obligation to our people in both those countries, as well as to our shareholders? It's much more complex. Uh, Black Lives Matter. You know, these, these, and and the pride, the list goes on and on, and our responsibilities towards climate change. So. I mean, our so that is a big change in our particular roles and how we should evolve ourselves as well as our organizations. It's not just about making money. Yeah. So so I think that, that's what I would say.
1: Yeah, it's um so true that there are so many events happening. And I love what you say about just stop talking about change being a thing, that it should just yeah. be part of DNA. I was in a meeting last week, and somebody in the meeting said, you know, hopefully, after we've done this thing that this particular organization is doing, we'll have a a period of calm, and you know, where we just, things won't change. And I just sort of felt this fear go through me that if you're preparing your organization for a period of calm, you're probably delusional. And actually, A, you're going to be shocked, but B, it's not going to help you, because... The organisation just has to be able to withstand whatever it might face, as well as to take advantage of some of these societal tailwinds. Actually, some of these societal changes are inherently good for all of us. And actually, a tailwinds to our business rather than the headwinds that sometimes I think that they're perceived to be.
0: Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you. I think it's it's just the reality, whether it's economic or political or social, it's just life is just a constant change. You know, so the more that you can prepare your organisation to be able to do it. So again, you know, when you're right at the beginning, you said about the sympathy towards us, about navigating. For us, we're actually very calm about it. We've we've created a culture here that that's that's normal.
1: Very good for people like you and I who have low boredom thresholds. I think it's uh, <laughs> that's that, awesome. it works to our advantage. That's very Mark, finally, um, three quick bits of advice for anyone who's aspiring to become a, a CEO. A number of people who listen to this, not everybody, but uh, a number of our listeners are definitely people who one day think that they might, um, you know, for all the reasons that you described at the beginning, for all the positive reasons, might find themselves in that role. Uh, um, complete our discussion for us by some uh, quick bits of advice on uh, for aspiring CEOs.
0: Bits of advice. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll pick on a couple of the themes throughout this podcast. I mean, the first is alignment of team. And the only reason why I make such a big part of that is that that was the lesson that took me the longest to learn. I wish I had learned that earlier. So alignment of team to uh, be 100% committed at any any decision that you make. Yeah, if you if you compromise in order because you're 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 playing it safe, um, I think that's a huge mistake. Uh, So I'd be 100% committed. And the third bit is it is very lonely leading a company. So make sure that you personally have some form of support that's over and above your family because you don't want to burden them all the time. So have some form of professional support, whether it's coach or mentor or whatever, it's lonely. And the more that you've got somebody to bounce things off, the more that you'll be, that, that will add longevity to you and your career and, and also your balance of life. That's what
1: i Mark, that's a fantastic um, piece of uh, final advice. You've been um, amongst the top people that I've wanted to have on this podcast, um, but we have uh, tried to give you a little bit of space during uh, these tumultuous uh, past couple of years But we've also been, if it doesn't sound hopefully too sycophantic, huge admirers of your business and learnt a lot about the quality piece. I mean, there's so many lessons in the last 20 to 25 minutes. But the thing that always stands out for me, and I know when we do work with you, we always kind of talk to ourselves and go, it's Hive, we're going to have to raise our game because your expectation of quality, both on yourselves and those you work with, it's genuinely an inspiration and of course, it's because you have to put on a, a show. That's what you do. But the application of that learning is broad and wide for every business. Everybody's putting on a show. Everybody's being judged. And the expectations of, uh, you know, customers and shareholders and the community at wide is grows ever higher. And so... Um, Bravo to you and the team. Uh, We wish you, as ever, the greatest of success. Whatever we have ahead of us, uh, we know that you guys will deal with it with the plum, as you always do. Um, Thanks so much for taking time with us today Uh, to share your thoughts.
0: Matt, thank you so much. And thank you to you and your team for all your support throughout. We're very much appreciated. It was fun. Thank
1: you for this. It's fascinating to me how a single, maybe less than desirable event can have such a positive long-term impact on someone's approach to business. What Mark went through 15 years ago clearly set him up for what lay ahead, and whilst no one could have predicted how the pandemic would play out, particularly for an events business, Hive's response is a role model example of how to keep your head when perhaps many others around you are losing theirs. Mark's another morning person – I should probably be keeping a tally of our guests who are early risers – but it's actually his focus on the constant rush to quality that we think distinguishes him and his team. That comes from their obsession with doing things for the right reasons, committing 100% to decisions and running a business that takes its responsibility to society as seriously as its obligations to its shareholders. Many thanks to Mark for joining us, and of course, thanks to you for listening. Just as Mark has taught us, we never take for granted that you'll listen, so we hope you feel that our quality is improving all the time. And if so, please tell your friends and maybe even give us a rating. And if not, please tell us and we'll get it fixed. Meantime, best wishes to you in all your endeavours and look forward to welcoming you to the next episode of Meet the CEO from Positive Momentum.